This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. You can find all my work at mjmunoz.com. Welcome to my fully operational Star Wars analysis. I'm continuing with Ahsoka. This is Ahsoka episode 5. I just, I'm, I'm still listening to the credits ending uh, as I start recording this. And uh, I really liked this episode. Um, it was very interesting to me. This is episode 5. I think this is only going to be 8 episodes total. So... What in the world is going to happen in episode six, seven, and eight? Because they're journeying uh, to another galaxy by the end of this episode, inside of a pergil, and I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the rest of the three episodes will be inside of the pergil. I very much doubt that. And it'll take their whole hyperspace journey, or if we're going to get a jump from, uh, you know, months in space or whatever, and if. I don't know exactly how hyperspace works. I don't know how fast the Pergil are, but I do know from reading the Kanan when Hank, when Kanan met Hera, also known as the New Dawn by John Jackson Miller, that the weird realities of hyperspace work thus: if you are in a ship that has light speed engines of a certain speed or power, and you have a buddy who's in, or and there's somebody else, and you guys are going to the same place, and they have a ship that's better, has better uh, hyperdrive, better light speed engines, <clears throat> they can leave after you, but arrive before you, which is weird. And I don't know how fast the Pergil travel versus how fast the Eye of Sign will travel with six or eight whatever hyperdrive engines in it. So it'll be really interesting. The Pergil could take Ahsoka and, uh, it's just, it's just Ahsoka. Ahsoka and Huyang, they could be there in the other galaxy before, uh, Morgan and Shin and Balin and uh, and your girl Sabine, uh, or they could arrive at the exact same time, or they could arrive way after them. It, it all depends on what they want to do for the story. And I'm assuming Episode Six will start with them out, you know, in Wild Space or in this other galaxy, and that's uh, that's going to be super interesting. I thought it was a very entertaining episode overall. You know, very introspective. Um, kind of raise questions of like, I don't know, rebelling against authority for a good purpose. And I don't know, it was, it was really interesting. Um, I mean, both, if, I don't know, it's, it's interesting because it's like, it presents questions to you and it shows the characters giving their best answers, but they're not telling you what your answer should be. And there's not like, I don't know, there wasn't any like uh, moralizing or... Uh, like, uh, it wasn't a pedagogic show. It was just, this is what's going on with these characters, and this is what they're doing. And I really liked, so, that's gonna, that happens in a couple ways. One is Hera is defying, and she's getting Carson to join her in defying the New Republic. And finally, Carson breaks down and explains to them what's going on. And I don't know if they approve of it, or if they just know they can't stop of it, so they get out of the way. Or what? I don't know if Hera's gonna be punished severely for that. Who knows? Um, it seems a little ridiculous that they're not, like, free to go on this mission? Like, who are you to tell them that they can't go? Like, are you paying them right now? Is Ahsoka getting paid by the New Republic and she's, like, stealing from her company because she's going to get her dry cleaning done instead of actually being at work or, like, getting her leku, um, I was going to say her haircut, <laughs> getting her leku, uh, you know, fluffed or whatever. So, and she's, like, doing it on company time, getting paid for that because that would be understandable. Hera, uh, I mean, the ghost is her personal ship. She, she left and, you know, Jason's her son. He's not, a, like, a slave to the New Republic, right? So, like, they're free to do whatever the heck they want. And, um, 
I don't know. That's just like really weird that the New Republic would have like all this sway and all this say over what exactly they can do. Now, uh, her taking the X-Wing pilots with her, that, you know, that could be a little bit of a problem. Speaking of her now, but she did what she thought was right. And uh, I just think it's interesting because, you know, you've got this interesting moral defiance of leadership and of uh, the people who are over you. And there seems to be like a hazy stance taken on that. Um, in a way, Ahsoka defies and goes against Anakin or Anakin's Force Ghost or whatever that was in the world between worlds. I believe it was really Anakin, um, but it could have just been a manifestation of the. I mean, if it's like outside of time, it could be Anakin's. Well, Anakin's dead at this point anyway. It could be his Force Ghost who's coming there and he's bringing aspects of Anakin and Vader with him in order to teach her a lesson and to show her things that are. I don't know, <laughs> show her things that are bigger and that, like, uh, he's using everything that he has to teach her. He's using the dark and the light, which is interesting. Um, but, yeah, man, all that World Between Worlds stuff where they're going back into the Clone Wars, wow, that was amazing. First of all, um, this is kind of a weird question, and, like, I don't really care. I've only seen Endgame. Is it Endgame? I think it's Endgame. I've seen Endgame once, but I guess the the kid shows up in memes. There's little Gamora, right, that shows up in Endgame. I don't know if she's any of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies because I haven't watched any of them. But she's in at least the first Endgame movie. You know, what did it cost you? Everything. You know, she's that little girl. Um, did that little girl? You know, obviously she can. You know, I'm, I hope she lived. You know, after doing that movie, if she's still alive. But like, did she grow up and end up taking this role of Ahsoka? Because the kid playing Ahsoka looks like. Um, Look, kind of looks like her. Something in her face seems similar, and I just thought that's kind of funny that she would go from being, you know, one painting, you know, painted green to painting, being painted orange. And like, I hope she's not typecast. It's like she can only be uh, an alien person. Anyway, so that that funny aside, um, yeah, all the Clone Wars stuff was super cool. It was hitting all my nostalgia buttons, and like, I don't know, that's great. That's great that it was nostalgic, but it was also like introspective. And like, again, I like that they don't actually tell you what the Force vision means. And this is kind of like an extended cave of Dagobah type thing. You know, Luke saw himself in the fallen Vader, in the decapitated Vader. His face exploded and there, you know, his, you know, the mask exploded and his face was under there. So he saw, I could become Vader. And that's echoed, that's from Empire, that's echoed in Return of the Jedi when he sees Vader's stump after he's cut off his hand and he looks at his own right hand and moves it and hears the mechanisms in it whirring. So he sees that he's one step closer to becoming Vader. He's reminded of the fact that he's already started to become Vader in certain ways, or he's starting to reflect and follow in his father's footsteps, and he doesn't want to do that by going down the dark side, by going down the dark path. And that's interesting, because, like, you can put that together over the course of the two movies, and you can put together, like, wait, is Luke Vader? How is he? And then when you hear, you know, Vader say that he's his father, that, you know, echoes in your mind, and I'm sure it echoed in Luke's, well, you know, is he my father? Is that why? You know, did I, you know... Are we identical twins? Is it like, you know, I look exactly like my dad? That kind of thing. Um, so, you know, there's there's that symbolism and that uh, imagery, but you're not told what it is. And, and you can kind of put it together later, um, like I described already. <clears throat> but because the uh, World Between Worlds stuff was so much more extended with Ahsoka, it was difficult for me to see clearly, uh, you know, what it is, what was being said, what the message was, what the uh, the symbolism is. And I don't know if there's the same type of symbolism at work or if it's the same kind of, you know, idea being played with uh, or what. Um, 
I'm trying to figure out exactly what it means. I don't quite know all what the lesson is that Ahsoka was supposed to learn. Um, you know, she's asked, you know, at the end of it, she tells Anakin that she wants to live. Because he's presenting her, you fight or you die. And she's saying, well, I want this third option. I want to live. You know, what does that mean? I don't know. And, like, because I know Filoni likes samurai stuff and Kurosawa and um, some anime, uh, you know, Robotech or whatever. I know he liked that. Um, I'm thinking of one of my favorite anime of all time, Ruruna Kenshin, where uh, Kenshin is able to unlock his greatest level of power. Uh, well, almost. <laughs> he, he takes the penultimate step towards... Um, getting as powerful as he can be by seizing the will to live. And I wonder if that's what's going on here. I wonder if Anakin has stepped in, uh, you know, sent by the Force or whatever, how, however that works out, to teach Ahsoka that, you know, she can either die now or she can choose to find the will to live. And that in finding the will to live, it's going to open her up um, and orient her in a way that's, you know, generative, that's life-giving, that's life-supporting, that's life-sustaining, so that throughout whatever trials she faces, she can have that positivity and have that will to live and find and fight for a way to live through to have harmony and peace. Because, you know, she doesn't, you know, she questions, what if I don't want to fight? And, like, you know, literal combat is not, like, the necessary core thing to life. Um, you know, there can be peace, there can be cooperation, there's struggle, but in, you know, there's, like, benign good holy struggle where the things that you're struggling against you know are yourself and you know nature a little bit but like you can set up like <laughs> uh there's uh you know people think that the the middle ages were like awful right um john locke who is a thought leader and a you know thought founder um who a lot of the founding fathers read um he has works like on liberty and justice and the two horns of the dilemma i believe it's called anyway john locke writes a lot of interesting stuff about freedom and and you know the power of the individual and whatever and he likes the idea of freedom and, and ownership um so you know this is a pro-capitalist show over here otherwise i wouldn't be talking about star wars because if i was anti-capitalist that that wouldn't make any sense anyway um <clears throat> but anyway uh you know, true capitalism isn't uh, it isn't cronyism and it isn't the corruption of the empire and it isn't the fascism of uh, well the empire or the republic or the American uh, government. Um, it's like this you know free beautiful thing where people voluntarily choose to exchange with each other, uh, voluntarily choose to exchange with each other, and you know that's wonderful and that brings you know there's a lot of good in that. Uh, you can look into it yourself if you, but I'm not going to go on about it right now. But um, Locke actually didn't like that the peasants, because uh, he was like a, you know, uh, he was landed gentry, I believe. He didn't like that the peasants, um, that their fathers had set up, like their fathers or grandfathers, or maybe even great-grandfathers, had set up like a, such a robust system uh, on their farms or whatever, that they could be a pig farmer and have, you know, however many acres to their name, and the guys could just, like, drink and relax and have like lazy days for long periods of time because the way that the system was set up they had like these guys still worked hard and they didn't have running water and they didn't have all these you know modern luxuries that we're all you know spoiled by but and, and like i said they had to work for a living but like they could basically attend to the system put their hard work in for a short amount of time and 
be able to live off of, you know, almost literally the fat of the land because of the, the system that was set up. And again, it takes struggle. It takes dedication. With neglect, um, you will destroy the system. You have to put some effort into it to keep it going and to keep it from, uh, you know, burning itself out. Uh, like doing animal rotation on, on the grazing land or whatever. Like those things still take effort, but like we can mimic, humans can mimic the balance of nature. And like nature doesn't fight wars. There's no civil wars in nature. You don't have, uh, <clears throat> you know, cats fighting other cats over, I mean, like other than like, you know, alley cat territory type stuff, but they don't kill millions and millions of each other like humans do. Like we, because of, I don't know, ego or something else, like do things, do do these do these things that are contrary to nature and contrary to humanity and and like aggress against the state of nature and the balance and harmony that uh you know the animal and plant world have with each other you know <clears throat> along with the mineral world which is you know our water you know just the the dirt itself all that stuff and um like we kind of rebel against that state of nature out of greed and selfishness and all these different things and uh you know, there's another way you can learn to harmonize with all that stuff. And I don't know if, like, that's the lesson that Ahsoka's being taught by Anakin or the Force or whatever, or uh, or what's going on. And I, I don't really know what's going on, uh, but I do find it interesting that at the end <clears throat> there, um, you know, Hien tells her, you know, what if this doesn't send us to Ahsoka? And she's like, yeah, what if it doesn't? Or not Ahsoka, but uh, Sabine. And she's basically saying, without saying it, like, I'm going to trust in the Force and I'm going to trust that we're on a path and we're being guided towards where we need to go. And uh, I find that really interesting. Because you could stress out about it and, you know, try to force it, but you can also just go with the flow and do your best in whatever situation you're presented with. And if you make it through, you make it. And if you don't, you don't. Um, but I think ultimately believing in, you know, a beyond is helpful to people in situations like that. Because it's like, look, I don't want to die and I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to live. But if I die, I die and, you know, I did my best. So that's all I can really ask of myself and that's all I can, um, you know, that's all I can do. Uh, so it's very interesting. I, I like it. Um, it was a cool episode in general and, like, it's thought-provoking and there's lots of little things uh, in there to kind of chew on and, 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 uh, and think about. And... It's a lot of fun. That's that's what I want out of my Star Wars. Like, compelling... Uh, there wasn't even... I mean, there was the action between Anakin and Ahsoka. That was some cool lightsaber fighting we saw. And then it's like, seeing all the clone troopers. Ah, it was so cool. Oh, I also like... And I was very happy about this, that, like... Ahsoka's weird tube top that Filoni originally drew for her. And that Lucas approved for some strange reason. And she's like a you know 13-year-old Padawan or whatever. They updated it for the Clone Wars. So Soka says, this is one of our first missions, and she's wearing, like, a very age-appropriate and, like, well, it's age-appropriate and it's just appropriate in general, top. And I, I do like the uh, the alterations they made to her, her costume. That was a good thing. That, was, that might be one of the best things to come out of Disney Star Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah, like a non, like, groomer, non-jailbait uh, outfit for Ahsoka, because um, the other ones were really weird. Um and on that note, I will close out my fully operational Star Wars analysis. Uh, check out all the other stuff I have going on at mjmunoz.com, my website. And uh, come back for more Star Wars stuff and check out the uh, full category, the full uh, library of all the uh, fully operational stuff I have. Until next time, folks, be well. This is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This 
has been a Story Over Everything production.